Trek Companion. This is episode 107. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Next Gen's seventh season episodes, Dark Page, Attached, and Force of Nature. Uh, forgive my <laughs> dulcet tones this evening. I do have a cold, but so we're going up a few hours late today, but uh, we don't want you to be without your podcast. So just accept my cold and move on. All right, here we go. <laughs> Dark Page, Season 7, Episode 7, Production Number 259. Original air date, October 30th, 1993. Directed by Les Landau, written by Hilary J. Bader, music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Majel Barrett as Loxana Troy, Norman Large as Maquez, Kirsten Dunst as Hedrill, Amik Byram as Ian Andrew Troy, and Andriana Weiner as Kester Troy. The Enterprise welcomes a delegation of the Koran, a telepathic species that has no concept of spoken language. Since an interpreter with strong telepathic ability is needed, Troy's Betazoid mother, Loxana, is recruited for the job and immediately sets about trying to set a romance between her daughter and Maquez, the visiting group's senior diplomat. Troy's initial anger turns to concern when, after confronting Loxana, her mother bursts into tears. Hedril, I asked your father to bring you here because I wanted to talk to you about something. You know that Loxana's sick, don't you? Yes. Is it my fault? No, not at all. But I believe that she's been thinking about you. Do you know why? I make her sad. All right. Um, Steve, why don't you kick us off on Dark Page? Uh, well, I always thought this was one of the more memorable Loxana episodes, I think because it it reveals some information about the characters and she gets to really do it up, obviously, because she's, uh, you know, very tormented and uh, emotional and so forth in the episode. Um yeah, I, I I like I like this episode. I think it's I think it's um, moving. I think it the the mystery element helps a bit too. Um, we're kind of back old school here because I I was counting uh, Deanna's outfits in the first five minutes. I think she changed three times. So kind of back <laughs> to back to that again. But uh, yeah, overall I like this episode. And um, Mr. Caesar, what are your first thoughts? Um, I agree with Steve. I, I like what they're trying to do in this episode. I think it has a clear message. Um, um, I agree that you get a, um, a lot deeper character development with Loxana and Troy and their relationship as a mother and daughter. Um, you know, um, I like the concept of, um, the, the Karen, you know, um, that just, that, you know, that's kind of like a new concept. They just, they communicate, visually with pictures and stuff, stuff like that. It's, um, I found that to be kind of creative and interesting to think about. I guess the only problems that I had with this episode, it's, um, the production value of it. It's a little bit hokey at times. Yeah. Uh, um, I think maybe they'd probably, they just probably suffered from budget. You know, they, I think I, I didn't really, really care for the, um, the scene, the flash, I guess the dream sequences that they did in the enterprise. I thought they kind of would have been better off doing that in a different location, but that's probably came down to money. Um, Actually, the the part of that, that that bugged me wasn't that it was it was the arboretum, you know. It, I I can understand being in the arboretum and seeing um, Hedril falling in the water, and that's you know fine. But when you actually have the point when she's remembering her her daughter and that actual incident, 
to still be on the Arboretum. Yeah, yeah. I think they could have. They yeah. would have been better served using a different location. Yeah. But my guess is is that it's probably that was probably just yeah. a budget thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't ruin the episode for me at all. I just kind of thought the production value was a bit hokey. It seemed more first season production value than sixth or seventh season. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I really I like the concept. I like the story. I think the episode had something um, real and important to say. So let me ask you guys. Solid, we've solid. talked before about like episodes. If they focus on guest characters, then they're generally weak. And this is Loxana, so she's, you know, she's more than just a guest star, but she's not a regular. I mean, do you think that that suffers? It does, do you think this episode suffers because of this, or is it enough about Deanna? Um, I think it's got enough Deanna in it to offset that, plus Loxana being such a recurring character and such a a presence in Star Trek in general, it's almost, to me, you almost forget that, you know, I mean, if I think it was, if it was uh, all crappy or something and not very compelling at all, I think we'd be talking different about it. But for me, yeah. I think there's enough Deanna involved with it too that, um, that I think it works fine. Because, yeah, it is, it is pretty poignant for, De- for Deanna to find out that she had a sister that she never knew about, you know, this has got to be, you know, 30 plus years later. And to go that long without knowing you had a sister, that's pretty um, pretty poignant stuff. And I think that had a genuine effect on her character um, in this episode. Yeah, that's another thing I want to point out, too, is um, unlike, say, suddenly seeing Worf's brother, uh, which always felt like a stretch, I don't think this feels like a stretch. I mean, I, I believe this as far as that this was always out there, and we just never knew about it until season seven, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, think I, believe, I can believe that, yeah. Yeah. Kind of the you know we we know Loxana well enough to know that you know she's in a, you know being a telepath you're probably sensitive as is but she's even yeah. more so so you can, speaking uh, of that I I want to point out I learned something from this episode um, to communicate telepathically what that really means what you have to do is look very intently <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it um, yes yes very serious yeah you gotta look look very hard and serious when you're looking at somebody and then you're communicating to okay, them. I kind of I, I half wonder if like they cast the guy in the Maquez role and we've seen him in other roles too mm-hmm. you know but because of his face he's just got the perfect stare you down half weird grin on your face yeah. look you know or whatever mm-hmm. you know. I will say that uh, some of the learning how to talk things like please what is a poem I, just, I gag <laughs> yeah. a little bit just yeah. a little gag no, I mean, overall, I, I mean, I agree this episode, um, well, you know, it's, it's dark subject matter, so this isn't exactly one that you put on, you know, for fun, um, mm-hmm. but it's, a, it's, it's well done, and Majel is a very good actress, um, so it, it works. I feel like this episode's probably aiming a little higher than maybe what it achieves. Um, but, you know, it, it is good. And uh, it's stuff like production value, like the Arboretum, you know, pl- plastic grass, basically. You know, that's the stuff that holds it back for me ultimately. Um, um, but obviously, if I had to choose between... Uh, um, excellent performance and a real river to shoot at. I'm gonna. I would choose the real performance. So, right. 
I'm not going to disagree with where they spent their money. Um, you guys have a uh, kind of a favorite scene from this episode? So I guess Adam, you do not like the dream sequences. No, I know I do. I I I'm, I didn't not like the dream sequences. I did. I just kind of felt weird like that. watching this episode like back to like if you think about it, remember what that was. I think the last episode in our last episode <laughs> was um, phantasms, right? Like watching Dark Page back to back with phantasms, which we did not do here, just because because you do three episodes a piece and this is just how it worked out. Mm-hmm. But I think that it actually hurts Dark Page more than it hurts phantasms when you watch them back to back. I I know Next Gen. Um, more than the other, more than than DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, Next Gen really didn't plan one episode to the next. They just shot what they had ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I know that wasn't exactly on purpose, but I do think it 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 hurts Dark Page a little bit. Yeah. No, I I enjoyed. The, I thought the concept of the you know the telepathic you know her being inside um, her mother's head. I thought the um, the scene with her father was very poignant. I thought they were good scenes. I just thought they were hurt. By the fact that they were still in the Enterprise, I think they would have been, I mean, better off um, production-wise and story-wise to do them in a, in you know, a more natural setting. It would um, make and, sense because Luwaxana isn't like you can like have Data's dreams on the Enterprise. Fine, that's that's his life. That's his but, home. But you're in Luwaxana's head, yeah. you know. I kind of wonder if it'd been better if they if if it was a budget issue. I kind of wonder if it'd been better if they just said, "Well, we don't have no money, so let's just like do it in a totally empty, dark, black soundstage with you know a little oh, bit like light a or original something. series, the Empire, right, right, yeah, yeah. right, just totally surreal, yeah. trippy, like you know, instead yeah. of doing it on Enterprise. I don't know. They would have done that in the first season of Next Gen. Gene was still there, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, but but I did want to ask: Is there a standout scene? to you guys in this episode well, I guess that I, I, unlike the usual reason I would ask that question here I think the fact that there isn't for me is probably you know that's kind of indicative of an episode that aims higher than it actually achieves mm. it's, it's good but it's not I think there was a great idea here um, for me I mean the two scenes that stand out are you know the, the scene with Deanna and her father that's uh, and then obviously the end scene, the conclusion scene, you know, where um, Roxana is um, telling the story to Deanna, telling her what finally coming yeah. coming out and letting this you know repressed memory and tragic event in her life finally letting it out. So I mean, yeah, it was very it was very well acted. It was, I mean, you felt the pain. You know, like I said, Majel did an excellent job along with um, Marina. So um, yeah, I thought that was probably the best best scene. Of the episode, yeah. There, to me, there's like a, a number of memorable moments. I don't know about a full-blown scene, you know. Like there, you know, like I remember sections of it. I remember their exchanges, and I, yeah, I certainly do like the conclusion. Like they wake up holding hands, and and kind of on a totally different, in a totally different vein. I like the opening segment because it's kind of like you got to get your Loxana Picard <laughs> stuff going a little bit there. So it's kind of like a nod to the former episodes in a way. You know, they're they're. His trying to get out of talking to her stuff, even if it's just a minute, you know, like that stuff. Yeah, it seemed like Picard had a lot of nothing to do in this episode. He was just kind of standing around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's this episode about? Um, I like the themes in it about, uh, you know, um, repressed, repressed memories, you know, repressing, you know, emotion, you know, even if it's painful, how it can, you know, affect you. 
physically and cause you even to become ill. I kind of I kind of like that little theme. I felt like that's kind of what they were trying to say a little bit. Um, well, are, they, not- are they saying that um, that you have to deal with these things at some point? Um, I think repressing um, tragedy or grief and not dealing with it. I just, I mean, personally myself, then yeah, yeah I think you will cause yourself physical. But is that what you think the episode is saying? Um, I think there's a, that in there because obviously, you know, she became physically ill once the um, repressed memory started to come out, you know. So I think, yeah, that's a little bit about what they were trying to say. I um, also think um, a lot of the episodes about the relationship between a mother and a daughter and resolving family issues um, that has probably affected them for many, many years. You know, you can kind of see that Luoxana, the reason that she's so, so protective of Deanna and so in her life and her business is probably because of this event that happened to her. So, yeah, I agree with this. I mean, I think, I think that, um, I think that it's, if, if anything, it's mostly, it's mostly about this notion of that you've got to heal, you've got to deal with traumatic events, you just put them away. And, and this is maybe a slight exaggeration in the sense that li- literally she would die if she continued to repress this and there wasn't a way to do it. But, you know, the, you know, it's, it's common knowledge that it, it does cause, uh, it can cause uh, physical harm, and it certainly causes mental harm to not uh, deal with traumatic events at some point. And yeah, for me, that's what it's—that's kind of what it's talking about. Well, I mean, that's certainly a worthwhile uh, conversation. So I think in the um, uh, values of our show, that it, that means this episode holds up, and I, it, mm. it does. Do I sound like as you know, late night? Uh, DJ, as I to you guys, as I sound to myself, or is that just Brian, Brian. more so Brian, than usual? Yeah, Brian, you gotta you gotta stop smoking a pack a day, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> settle down out there. Uh, all right, Switch I think we've covered cigarettes. <laughs> right, <laughs> let's move on to six degrees for dark page. Um, Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Norman Large. Plays what's his name? Maquis? Maquis? I think that's why they said it. Maquis or something. The smiling telepath that happily connects Troy with her mom's dark side. In Next Gen's fifth season, he played the Roman Neral, Roman <laughs> Romulan Neral in the two-parter Unification. In this episode, uh, he was second in command of the Roman. I did it again. No, no, I didn't do that. My Mac is auto-correcting. It doesn't know the word Romulan. Oh, I'm going to have to talk to it doesn't know my Mac. Huh. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm going to start this question over. Norman, Lar- Norman Large plays Maquise, the smiling telepath. Ball. We know that. Okay. In Next Gen's fifth season, he played the Romulan Neral in the two-parter unification. In this episode, uh, Neral was second in command of the Romulan Senate, just below the Praetor. What was his title? <coughs> Neral's title. Yes. Um, they usually refer to him as his this title. Is it uh, proconsul? You are correct. I thought that was a tough one. You got it, uh, Adam. Yes. Teddy the wolf. I just had to ask about this. Uh, <laughs> plays the wolf and walks on his dream that chases Troy. Teddy's most famous role was as Two Socks in the Best Picture winner from 1990. Name it. Two socks from the best pitcher winner from 1990. 
Yeah. Oh, um, that would be Dances with Wolves. You are right. Dances with Wolves. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I bet, like, Two Socks' agent was, you know, really <laughs> working them for They're the residuals. For the and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Attached. Season 7, Episode 8, Production Number 260. Original air date, November 8th, 1993. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Written by Nick Sagan. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Robin Gamble as Morick, Lenore Kasdorf as Lauren, and James Castle-Stevens as Kess Aid. Picard and Beverly prepare for a diplomatic visit to Kesperet, a planet with two societies. The Cast Society is seeking entrance into the Federation. This is unprecedented because the planet's other society, the Pret, has no contact with its neighbors or anyone else. Worf attempts to transport Beverly and Picard to Kest, but they do not arrive. Instead, they end up in a Pret prison where they realize they both have strange electronic devices implanted in their necks. The Pret inform Picard and Beverly that they are being held because of suspected conspiracy with the Kest. Why didn't you ever tell me you were in love with me? You were married to my best friend. First, I thought it was harmless infatuation, something hormonal rather than emotional. Then when the months went by and the three of us began spending more time together, I realized that it was something else. Mr. Caesar, why don't you kick us off unattached? Attached. Um, this actually is a memorable episode just because of the uniqueness of um, Beverly and Ricard getting to be in each other's heads. I think, um, I don't know, I, I, I kind of felt like the whole episode was like that, but really it's a short part of the episode where they're in, in each other's heads. Um, I kind of like it because you kind of get, um, you get a kind of a background to their relationship and then you kind of get a resolution somewhat because there's been this for you know six seven years there's always been kind of this little bit of well it, um, it started wasn't the first season the uh mm-hmm. the naked time for mm-hmm. their version naked yeah. now naked time which one's which whatever naked now is next gen yeah naked now is next gen uh the naked now episode right when they yeah yeah it kind of yeah there's always been this little bit of not a little bit of tension it's never been outright but there's always been like you know and i remember watching the series way back when and it was always kind of a question up in the air are they ever gonna hook up um you know they you know they haven't really talked about it they they haven't really gone this way and i would say in the last two or three seasons but um they kind of you know they talk about it in this episode they tell you where it came from and um they pretty much for the most part resolve that it's not going to go anywhere um, I know they kind of leave the door open a little bit, and then obviously in the last episode we'll see some fantastical stuff. But um, I kind of like this. I mean, it's kind of far-fetched. It's got some funny moments um, with um, Riker and Worf and the um, Kess and their very crazy paranoid ways. It's it's kind of amusing. Um, I kind of enjoyed the tease scene where Picard kind of explains what the Federation is and how planets get into the federation um i don't i don't i just kind of i like little history and political tidbits about how the federation works it's just me but yeah overall i like this episode yeah i i always have to um 
And it's funny because it's it's the Picard Crusher stuff that you remember it for. I agree. And the other stuff, the B story up on the ship, it's not bad, mm-hmm. but I have I forget that it's even there. And and I really like the other stuff in this episode so much. I think it does really it's that campfire scene. It's almost one scene in the episode. Right. Right. That, I'd that agree. is what you remember almost the whole episode being. So this is kind of the exception. I think that that and you know, normally I'm like, oh well it had one good one scene that I really loved. I can't say I love the episode, but this this is an exception where that one scene that I love and the rest of it that I like is enough to make me love this episode. And I think it's just because we've had seven years of this tension, you know, mm-hmm. um, this romantic or sexual tension between Picard and Crusher. And here it gets, you know, it, it, it gets explained and it gets uh, dealt with in the best way they could. I, you know, uh, even even next gen can't exactly be, you know, these episodes aren't an island, you know. I, I think it's clear that they couldn't um, attach Captain Picard to one person. That that would have uh, limited them in the rest of the series, and it certainly would have. They knew they were going on to movies at this point. There was no way they were gonna, right? You know, keep him from having a romantic. Uh, attachment in the movies um, so I understand why it resolved the way it did but but you feel satisfied even if you don't like it you know you, you don't feel you're not left wondering um, I think in a way Voyager kind of uh, hinted around about something between Janeway and Chakotay for a long time and I never got any sense of real closure on it no. they just made Chakotay kind of an a-hole and then he starts dating Seven. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can understand that, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> There's just that one episode in Voyager, really, where that you know they're trapped on the planet. Right, I remember that one. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't get this... Resolution at all. ...the bow that you get from Attached. So, I don't know. So it's it's weird to like this episode for that and, and that alone. Um, but I do. I definitely do. Um, because I'm because I'm so invested in these characters, mm-hmm. uh, and this and that's kind of what's so satisfying. Yeah, that's what you kind of get in the final season. They kind of you know they want to resolve some character character issues, and they clearly do here. I mean, we'll get it. All, we'll also get it with Wesley later on. We'll yeah. get some um, resolution with him, and so I mean, you know, that's kind of what you get out of the you know. And they obviously knew this was the last season, so they could kind of prepare to. No. Well, the thing is, some of these some of these things. Card and Crusher have such great. I mean, the McFadden and 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 Stewart have such great chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know, I really can't. I, I enjoy watching them going for the walk. You know, and right. having that campfire. Um, uh, Steve, you've been quiet here. What what are your thoughts on? Yeah, this I mean, I I it's certainly memorable, and I I, I do like it. Um, I uh, I found like the B story was kind of goofy at times or distracting in a way. I don't really know what a better way to do that would be. I I, I it left me wanting more. Well, I, you know what I did think if they did this episode in modern television, it would have they wouldn't even have had that B story. It yeah, would've yeah it would have been, been them the whole time. I think. Them the whole time, Picard and Crusher the whole time. They would have gotten into way more 
deeper character stuff. Yeah. 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 Because by the time they get there, like I, said, I was saying earlier, I remember thinking about before I watched this episode, I'm like, oh, I thought that they were connected for a lot longer, but they're really not yeah. connected even that long in the episode. Maybe 15, 10, 15 minutes tops. I mean, it, it takes is a, a cool lot for the sci-fi thing, by the way, yeah. Their, yeah. their connection and how it works and stuff. That is kind of right. neat. And it and it is a neat like narrative thing to get them to open up and talk to each other in a way that you never get Picard to open up, mm -hmm. uh, and it's happening because of a sci-fi thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's cool. It's clever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree that it's it's um, you want to see something you know with these characters was to get resolved in terms of all this tension too. I think that for me the most interesting part of it is the psychology of it is the notion that. Um, you know, we really go around hiding things all the time. You know, we don't we don't share but a fraction of what's going on in our head. And this idea of what if it, even to one person it was revealed, and and you know where would that go? You know, and speculating on that. Yeah, we're getting into kind of what it's about. We can do that right now too. Um, yeah, I mean, Picard has a line in there about uh, it's crazy how much it's not exact words, obviously. Uh, but he says something like it's crazy how much clutter there is in the conscious mind, mm -hmm. you know. And the second he said that, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, so much of our our relationships with other people are what we choose to share with them, mm -hmm. you know. And at the same time, our relationships define us, but they can't be that honest and real because we can't say everything that pops into our head. Mm -hmm. you know yeah you were mentioning how you know in the last um when we were talking about the last episode how things they, they didn't plan on this but it's kind of an interesting order where where we have in dark page where they communicate they just give you everything all at once mm -hmm. and, and this episode it's like um you know as being human the human experience is that yeah you know you only give so much at certain times you know there's a trust level that goes involved with that and even if you trust somebody completely you still are unable to give them everything all at once so it's um it's uh yeah it's definitely an interesting kind i mean it's basically being joined at the brain joined at the brain <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think i think it and even in this episode i think it, what it, the focus is for me is this notion of the way we define our relationships with with what we share and i, and I think in a, in, a, in a twisted way the b story I think I could have done a better job with that, but it kind of touches on this too because you do have the you do have the relations between two people two peoples on the same planet that are essentially just totally, you know, paranoid about one another. So you know, you yeah. Can, imagine how quickly they would have resolved all of their diplomatic differences, is if you had stuck that little yeah. attached at the brain thing to each one of those guys and locked them in a room. Right. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that I think that's kind of the pervasive notion. Is that, you're not saying that's the answer to things. Is just spout off everything pops in your head. But I think it's just interesting the notion that uh, how when you really start thinking about it, how much we we define the relationships we're in. We make choices, and uh, not that say we're going around acting all the time, but we kind of are. You know, we yeah. we we choose what kind of person we're going to be with certain people and such. Yeah. Well, because so much of it is how we want to appear yeah you know there's that there's who you are who you think you are who you want to be you know there's what we how we want to look to other people there's even that bit in there you know where picard's like she says you don't really know that's the right way mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of funny being a captain means uh, you know uh, appearing confident mm -hmm. it's good leadership lessons there <laughs> 
Yeah. Although I felt both characters did a good job, you know, I mean, if that, you know, if you, I started thinking about it, that concept, like, okay, imagine if you were attached to somebody that way, that would initially freak me out. I'm like, what are they going to find out about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be um, like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. You start trying to clear your brain of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're pretty calm about it. You know, they're like, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I'm afraid of heights. You know, they go through all that stuff. Um, and then they get to like, um, oh, yeah, you were in love with me type stuff. I'm kind of, you know, I kind of put myself in their shoes. I'm kind of thinking that probably would have been the first thing that would have popped in my head if I knew somebody knew everything that I knew. Yeah. It's just been involuntary. Yeah, well, I mean, at least in this case, it makes sense because it was so long ago. And he does have the line about where he says, gradually, I realized I didn't have those feelings anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And I, I like that bit, too, because it's, um, you know, it's it's honest, but it's, you know, at first blush, I don't know, it could almost be. I don't know, insulting or something. If you didn't, if you weren't wise and experienced in the way that obviously mm-hmm. both she and he are, um, but but it's all it all make, it, it, put it this way, it it makes such sense looking back on this history of theirs that we never saw. We've only you know hear about. It makes makes such sense that it seems like that must have been the way it was always planned. Mm-hmm. What did you guys like, think about the um, the end scene? Um, the dinner they're having a little a little quick but touching uh as a fan of the characters disappointed disappointing you know mm-hmm. it's it's a letdown i think you you feel it because you feel like Picard's opening up in this way that he just wouldn't and he's decided maybe maybe this is worth exploring and then she says no um and i i wish i could really turn off and not think about the production side of it not not think She's only saying that because he's he's got to be able to get with some woman in a movie. You know, yeah, yeah. I can't help it though. That's all I'm thinking. I yeah. I, I try to look at it like well, it, it seems forced. It doesn't seem like it would be what she would really do. Well, I mean, this. Uh, so I kind of thought. So they hold on her when she's outside his quarters, outside his door, and then just kind of hold on her face and her expression. So. I mean, initially when I was watching this episode, I remember the scene, and I'm like, oh, I kind of, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, yeah, he kind of gets shut down at the end, and then I see the thing again. I'm like, well, no, he didn't really get shut down. You can tell that she is has true feelings for him, but you know, obviously what you were saying, you know, production value and, and choices they made, but they just still kind of leave that, that expression on her face. I, I liked that, that you at least got that from her, if nothing yeah. else. Steve, your reaction to the final scene? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, it is it is disappointing in a way. You understand why, but you know, but yeah, I did ditto. You know, I I agree with your guys' sentiment. All right. Well, I think we covered what it's about. I think this episode is is essential viewing if you're going to watch Next Gen. Even if you don't like this episode, you can mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah, yeah, for the characters. Yeah, to yeah. I, I agree. The B story slows it down and. The B story is fine. Actually, you know what? The one thing I like about the B story, which I don't think was intentional, what like 1960s sci-fi <laughs> contraptions have they rented for those? I think they just went to Spencer's and picked some stuff up. Like the you know the the pink glowy ball or that kind you know <laughs> kind of things. I, I cracked up, yeah, and I, I love the thing about be sure to take all your take all this junk with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Return that stuff to the prop department it came from. (laughs) All right, moving on to... 
six degrees for attached. Unfortunately, nobody here came back, so we're getting uh, fake questions as opposed to our usual uh, what other role did this same actor play type of question. Um, Adam, Steve went first last time, so I will ask you, which series regular does not appear in this episode? Um, always so much harder than you think they are. <laughs> um, I remember seeing Data. I'm going to say Troy. Nope. Steve? I was Jordy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it Jordy? <laughs> Who's Jordy? Uh, Steve, uh, this episode puts uh, seems to end the possibility of a relationship between Crush and Picard, but what is their relationship in the future timeline of all good things? Oh, they're uh, divorced. That is correct. They're divorced. Um, so it's uh, one, two, three to one. Is that right? Correct. All right, moving on. Force of Nature, Season 7, Episode 9, Production Number 261. Original air date, November 15th, 1993. Directed by Robert Letterman. Written by Naren Shankar. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Michael Corbett as Rabal, Margaret Reed as Sarova, Lee Ehrenberg as Prack, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. The Enterprise learns of the disappearance of the medical transport ship, the USS Fleming, which vanished in the Hakaris Corridor, the only safe route through an area of space filled with particles that poses a navigational hazard to warp-driven vessels. The Enterprise soon sets course after the Fleming, tracing it to a debris field. They encounter the field and encounter a small object that emits a Verderon pulse. Suddenly, their subspace systems are disabled and two aliens board the Enterprise uninvited. If you wanted us to review your research, you should have made a request through the Science Council. Their resources are limited. It would have taken over a year before they dispatched a science ship to come and evaluate our work. We were not willing to wait any longer. We knew that if we disabled enough ships, Starfleet would come. Then at least we would be able to present our case. That's how you rationalize these attacks? Force of nature. It's not every day you get to write in your notes. Enterprise forced to go from coasting to surfing. <laughs> um, and I'm boy there are, there are a lot of great ideas in this episode but I think it's not good I think it I think it is bad um, in a season with bad episodes it's one of the worst unfortunately and it's not because it's a terrible idea it's just like I mean, it, it's like the episode doesn't even start until like halfway into it. It's weird. Oh my gosh, it's got to be it's got to be in the running for the worst teaser ever with the cat stuff. I mean, it's just a bunch of cat, 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 cat. <laughs> and then and like then the music like the... swells. And I'm like, hey, what are they going to do now? And then it goes to the opening titles. Like, Wait, what? And then every so often they keep coming back to it. I mean, it's right. like you can't get enough of it. The thing could have been like 15 minutes long without the cat stuff. Yeah, the the first of the episode's very slow paced with um Jordy and um Data. Don't get me wrong, I love watching them conversate and have, you know, they're, they're interesting conversations, but it's just them kinda it goes talking on. about minutiae, you know. Jeff tubes over and it's funny because on one hand, I've said before how much I just like the I like seeing normal stuff about in their day. I've said that and I still believe that. You know, I'm a trucker. Not, but not half the episode. <laughs> but but <laughs> But I don't even know what this episode is going to be. There's no story. It's nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. There's like, like, 
tell me about your cat while you're on the way to where you, what you're going to do or something. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's meaningless. There's no, there's no, and I had my cat next to me while I was watching this and he didn't even care for See, it. Yeah. Yeah. Not even entertaining to cats. Did you guys find the Verderon pulse to be, why isn't everybody using one of these? It seems to be pretty devastating to ships. It's <laughs> like I mean, it just knocks ships completely dead. I mean, why why don't they have this pulse of, of for themselves using it against people? <laughs> um. So yeah, it it this is a bad episode. Hmm. Did you guys remember this episode as being bad? I didn't remember. I remembered, I remembered the the you know, uh, fifty five stay alive episode, mm-hmm. but. I did not remember that it was bad like this. No, I, I think I don't remember seeing it more than once or twice originally or whatever. And I knew I knew by the title and then the brief description, oh, it's this one. But yeah, I just remember the premise. And I remember uh, when seeing it, you know, thinking, how, oh, that's a pretty big deal. Like if you lived in this world and all of a sudden they, you know, put a speed limit on you or whatever. You know, I remember thinking that let's, that was a thing. Let's talk and that about was, that for a second. Yeah. Do you think if this episode had been really good? Because let's face it, they basically we get like one or two episodes where they mention this new big limit of warp five, and then pretty much they just ignore it for pretty much on. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there's in some episode of one of the other series or something where they say something along along the lines of we change the way our warp cores are. So yeah, we I think I think Voyager fixed that or that. something, okay. so they didn't yeah. have to think about but it anymore. Pretty much, this is it's it's pretty much ignored. Like yeah, right, yeah, this yeah. should have been. This should have been catastrophic. This should have been a massive game changer. What mm-hmm. I'm wondering is, do you think if this episode had been good, they would have actually stuck to it? Maybe. And it's tough to do, though, with the way that they're doing television back then, you know, too. You know, it's like, okay, from this point on, we're going to have this reference to, okay, we're keeping it down, you know, or something. And that every time we have to ask permission for some big deal. But maybe, yeah, maybe if it was more well, memorable or better. Yeah. Well, I think the problem with it is, is that it's just, I mean, even though... It's in a confined area. There's this little corridor. You even get to see, uh, see. It's just like a little canal. It'd be like, it would be like, um, us having a problem going through the Panama Canal. Like, oh, we're destroying, I don't know, shellfish or whatever. So we have to go slower through the Panama Canal. I mean, it's not. <laughs> to me, it, to me, the concept is okay. Well, there's this little canal they got to go through that they got to go slower in. But pretty much through the rest of space it's not an issue because they're it's not being it's not the carpet you're not running over the same piece of carpet over and over again in the rest of space so it's really to me it's really not that big an issue it's just something that you have to be careful about in this particular part of space mm-hmm. so, i'm not sure that was entirely clear i, I got this the sense more of in this particular area it's much much more susceptible but in the long term every place is, is susceptible yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I know what they were going for. They were trying to, you know, talk about, you know, they were trying to send a message about our planet and what we did, and that, you know, like I don't know, gas emissions were polluting or something like that. Yeah, but they just didn't do a very good. I mean, it just, it just didn't fit well because even Picard has that line. It's just like walking over the same piece of carpet over and over again. It's just, it just didn't fit well. It just seemed it, like it was only a danger to this area and not so much to anywhere else. And I get the message, but I mean, how stupid do they think we are? I mean, you know, we know how big, I mean, space, there, space is so big. I mean, there's, there, you can't even begin to talk about how big space is and, and do it justice. So when you have the ship that looks big on, on the, on your television 
and and going through you know you could run a ship through a general region and a certain path zillions of times or whatever and never would the two ships you never would you cross the exact same way again so this yeah. whole walking across carpet thing is ridiculous so i get what they're trying to say and their message and all that but the whole premise is 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 bad and but you know as we usually say maybe this wouldn't it wouldn't seem so ridiculous if they had constructed a, a better episode around it i don't know right. but yeah it's like i remember i do remember even the first time i saw it thinking the message was a little bit heavy-handed yeah 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 um, for sure well, that's because you know, the you know the sister goes out and blows herself up and yeah. causes the problem to be worse mm-hmm. or yeah. it needs to be you know so. But I wonder, uh, I wonder if I would I have thought that had it been again a better episode. Um, I don't remember disliking it. I'm not saying I hate it, but I think it's bad. I think it's qual- qualitatively bad. Um. I, um but even even the message is is preachy without being like specific like i'm not sure if they're if they're getting at you know conserve energy and slow slow down cuz i i am old enough to remember when all the speed limits changed you know uh-huh. there was the the 70s energy crisis and they slowed everybody down and then they fixed it in the 90s i remember in the 90s when they fixed it hey hey i'm not old enough to remember when they slowed everybody down in the 70s but i'm old enough to remember when they sped us back up yeah, yeah we got know. to go 70 again instead of yeah 55. i remember that very clearly it was a big deal um but i also or, or was there a climate change thing in here maybe too probably um pollution who knows yeah pollution yeah definitely um so i don't know it wasn't i hate to i hate to I hate to. I mean, I think they were trying. I think I think we're all in agreement that they were trying to say something here. It's just the construction of the episode was poor because, like you said, we spent the first good 15, 20 minutes to half the episode what, just watching what data. Was they they finished. They were finishing the script, and it came up really short. And then they started and they started adding stuff, but it just kind of ended up being stuff that got tacked on at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So then it feels like the episode doesn't start for fifteen minutes. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the in a forty-five minute episode. That's bad. And the Ferengi stuff seemed pointless. Yeah, very pointless. Um, it feels it feels like the just the the in some respects the writing is just shoddy. You know, I mean, like the, like the, you can't they're not getting the voice of the characters. You know, yeah. and they only have this kind of they and they know all the players and they just throw it all together. But yeah, um, yeah, like there was something in there. You feel like there was originally some kind of thread with Jordy, like where he's being obstinate, like he he's he's really. Um, dedicated to his ship and his technology. Mm-hmm. We get the bits with him competing against the other engineer, um, and then he's obstinate, like he's he's very resistant to listen to the girl and then the the woman scientist. And then later he seems to feel bad about it. Like I felt threatened that warp engines were doing any damage. The thought of that is crazy. Um, but it's such a like there's no there's no like direct line there. Mm-hmm. They just seem like. Like oh, I mean, they could have given those lines to anybody. Almost, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem that maybe if that had been the entire episode, if it had been structured around that, if it had been a Jordy episode, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um, but it wasn't. Yeah, they. Kinda, they yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say I kind of felt like that was a little bit drastic. The having the sister character just kill herself. I think that would have been them fighting more them coming together and fighting more would have been more interesting than her just going out and blowing herself up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, 
you kind of on that an issue of Jordy again. I think there was there was a shot here to do that because of the way he was, you know, we had the early stuff early on with him being competitive and all that, and talking about his engines, and then later on. But but I think yeah, I think that whole sister. I don't know what the right answer would have been, but that seemed drastic. And then he's like has this guilt thing about it. Like we should listen more, even though they all knew what very well that there was there wasn't enough evidence to do it. And so I don't know. They're trying. They're just trying to make something out of nothing with the right. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, they painted themselves in the corner with that. Like, well, yeah. we have to, like, you know, there's not enough, you know, there could have been, they could have created some evidence or something to, to go on. Or they could have maybe, yeah, maybe the whole episode could have been about that, that dynamic between Jordy and the sister character. Um, who knows? So we have an answer probably for what it's trying to be about. This might be, you know, this might be the the kind of exception where a, a show is is trying to be about something yet does not hold up. And I think, you know, they just they just it's almost like they had this idea um, uh, of a message they wanted to have and then tried to write a story around it. And I don't know that it, it just it, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like it feels like a first pass and it needed a, several rewrites. Anything else you guys want to add to this one? No, I'm good. Nah. All right, let's move on to... Six Degrees for Force of Nature. Uh, Steve has three. Adam has one. Um, Steve, you going first or second? Oh, first. Lee Ehrenberg plays Prack, the Ferengi that needs some help from the Enterprise. We'll next see him as Damon Bach later this season in the episode Bloodlines, in which he threatens the life of Jason Vigo. Bach claims Vigo is Picard's son. Why does Bach want to kill Vigo? Mm, he bl- does he blame the death of his own son on Picard? That is correct. And finally, Adam, in DS9's first season in the episode The Nagus, uh, Ehrenberg played the Ferengi Grawl. Who temporarily becomes Nagus in this episode? Um, that'd be Quark. You are correct. Four to two. Not a shutout. Not too bad. Not too bad. Although, Steve, you got that pro console question. I thought that was a tough mm, one. Yeah. <laughs> so, listeners... Thanks for putting up with my dulcet tones tonight um, and for us putting up our episode a few hours late. We normally record it, would have recorded yesterday, but I couldn't speak at all yesterday. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure we have listeners that are like, that would have been a better episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so thanks so much for spending an hour with us. And. I cannot remember what the next three episodes are, but I do remember being incredibly excited for all three next episodes. <laughs> okay. Huh. Right? Uh, I think Pegasus is one of them. Um, I don't <laughs> know. Next week, next time, we're going to be like so happy about every episode we get to talk about. It's going to be great. Uh, two out of three ain't bad. We did good today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you got Teddy the Wolf, what are you going to do? So until next time, thanks again. Take it easy. Hi, guys. See you.
Stefan, I passed it.